0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Inside Insights, a podcast powered by Zappy. My name is Ryan Barry, and I'm here, as always, with my friend and co-host, Patricia Montestioca. Patricia, what up?
1: What up, dude? How's it going?
0: Good. It's almost summertime here in Boston, my friend. I'm tan. I'm feeling good. I got shorts on.
1: Damn, I completely feel like it's already summertime. I mean, I've got every single window in the house open. Actually, it's not summer. It's that lovely, lovely time pre-summer where all the windows are open and the mosquitoes are not attacking me and it's not overly hot. So it's just, let's call it perfect season.
0: Perfect season. So for those of you uh, who are wondering, our definition of perfect, we live in Boston area. We Actually, neither of us live in Boston, but it's easier to say we live in Boston. And it is 82, sunny and breezy today. Perfect it's weather, like
1: cool in the shade, warm yep. in the sun. It's just perfect.
0: So we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, an episode today. Now, full disclosure: this episode is actually one of the conversations that we had at our recent virtual insight summit, which is a conference that um, we've curated with Vox Pop Me two years in a row. And it was really it's really a, an event that's designed to get the insights community together to to be inspired, to share and learn. And we felt like the conversation with Lauren and J.M. from SoFi Financial was so impactful for the general theme that we're going for in Inside Insights that we wanted to repurpose it here. And, and this is uh, the second interview of this season that we've had uh, with, with a marketer present. So the, the, recent, the recent example was our episode with Fernando Kahan from uh, Walkers, and he was talking about his opinions about the art and science of advertising development. Lauren and J.M. are really unique marketers with a really unique background. And they've built an incredibly customer-centric business at SoFi. And the crazy thing is, and this actually pissed a lot of people off in our Virtual Insights Summit audience, they don't have an insights team. And for anybody who's listening to this saying, how could they do insights without an insights team? I encourage you to listen and not get pissed off. Embrace the learning that this affords you. The world is moving. Insights is something that everybody in the company is responsible for, not just you. And if you want to call me to debate that point, I would love to, but please don't get defensive. Embrace it. This is where the world's going. Patricia, I want to hear what you have to say. But before we do, let's get into the interview. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for coming. Um, I, I am uh, really excited to talk to JM and Lauren today. We're going to get right into it because there is a lot we want to talk about. We had three calls leading up to this, and we could have talked for two hours each time. So I just want to say we're in for a treat today because we've got two marketers that are ahead of their time, that are customer-centric, and they're they're seeing incredible business results. Um, and so we're going to dive right in. Lauren, JM, thank you both for making the time to be here today.
2: Thanks for having Thank us, Lauren. Yeah, we're, we love Zappy, and you all have been such great partners to us. So we're so excited for the opportunity to chat with you today.
0: Perfect. And I did not pay Lauren to say that, but I do appreciate it. Um, so I want to start-
2: That's true. That's true story. He definitely did not, folks.
0: <laughs> so I want to start off um, with your two journeys. It, as I've gotten to know the two of you, it strikes me that you're an incredible team together. Yet, if I look in contrast at your backgrounds and where you've kind of what's brought you to this place, you couldn't have more different backgrounds. So I want to I want to talk about sort of both of your journeys, respectively. And you've had many different stops along the way. And and as you talk about your journey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the things you've had to learn, but also unlearn along the way. So, Lauren, I'll start with you take us through kind of the journey that's brought you to be Sofi CMO. Um.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Well, I had the privilege of starting my career at Procter & Gamble and I was fortunate enough to get to lead some really amazing brands while I was there. So everything from Herbal Essences, Aussie, um, to some amazing billion-dollar brands. I had the, the opportunity to lead Tide. Uh, I don't know if we have any easy, breezy, beautiful cover girls in the crowd today, uh, but got to leave that. And so had just an awesome opportunity to to grow up there and really learn the power of brand building and the value of insight-based brand building, really, during my time at P&G. And then from P&G, I I wanted to make the transition into tech, and I I moved over to Intuit, where I had the opportunity there to lead the first-ever corporate brand Campaign as we really put um, into it on the map as a company that powers prosperity, and then from there I came over to Sofi about two years ago uh, to to lead the marketing group, and so it has been just an awesome two years being uh, CMO at Sofi. Sofi was just such an amazing opportunity because this is a company that is really committed to helping our members get their money right, and so focused on financial independence and. Um, For those of you that don't know, finances and money is actually the number one source of stress in most people's lives. And it really doesn't have to be that way. But most people don't have the tools, resources, knowledge. Like They don't have the trusted partner in and, and their bank to help them know how do they get their money, right? And how do they get to a good place? And so I couldn't think of anything that would fire me up more in the morning than to know that I would have the chance to wake up every day and, and help people tackle what is that number one source of stress in their life. And so uh, it has been an awesome privilege to get to be part of this organization in, a, in such a mission-based company. And then to your point, Ryan, to get to be part of such an incredible team, you know, JM leads our brand strategy group at SoFi and just has done a tremendous job leading and building the brand in partnership with our creative team. We do everything in-house. So we have a hundred percent in-house brand strategy, creative media team. And so it's been a, a really awesome opportunity to get to build that. In terms of the second part of your question, which is what have I learned and what have I sort of has changed over the years? I would say for me, there's like three core things that no matter what you know, what brand you're working on are true. Um, that I've learned. We put the member of the customer at the center of everything you do. A- and that's gonna be true no matter what brand you wanna win, you better put your consumer at the center. And you gotta truly understand you know, their needs, wants, desires, pain points, like whatever that is, that consumer is at the center no matter what. I think the second thing is just the power of building a unique and ownable brand a brand that really, you know, opens minds and, and melts hearts, a brand that people truly love and is, per- and you got to be persuasive and compelling in the way you do that. Right. But all of you, like think of the brand you love and how indispensable they ca- be- have become to your life. Right. That is my aspiration for any brand that I work on. And then I think that the third thing that is consistent is Showing up where your audience is. It's not just good for your business, but I can't think of a better way to help your consumer know that you understand them than by showing up in relevant places in their lives. Those are my three, like, you know, foundational principles, no matter what brand I work on. I think... We do have some other values at SoFi that are also really important that that hopefully we'll have the chance to talk about. We really value learning, iterating, and innovating and moving fast. We value getting to the truth and putting the data first. I think what has evolved or what I've really appreciated in my time at SoFi is to the spirit of this LI squared, we call it LI squared, which is learn, iterating, innovating. Like The value we place on rapid experimentation is really high. And um, at other times in my career, you might expect to do some testing and get results in a few weeks or a few months for really huge studies. And we, you know, we do rapid experimentation and you get stuff back in a few hours. And, and no, Ryan didn't pay me to say this. Like, it's truly been in big partnership with Zappy that we have been able to get to that rapid pace of innovation. And I have so appreciated that. And then, you know, same thing, like we can iterate in market as much as you can iterate pre-market. And I think both of those both of those aspects uh, and how we operate will certainly steer the way that I continue to go brands moving forward. Wow.
0: We could spend the rest of the time on the words you just said. Um, and I do want to unpack more of SoFi's essence because it's truly a fascinating company as I've gotten to know it both- both in the user side, but also in working with you folks. So, so J.M., take us on the same journey and and kind of what brings you two together. And and, and obviously your background is quite different. Um, So I, I think it's a really interesting contrast for what brought you here today and how your values align with some of the things Lauren just shared with us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the background is a little bit different. I started my career working in the creative agency world. Uh, and so prior to joining SoFi, I was at, at Digitas for, for five and a half years, and I led brand and creative strategy on a number of their key accounts based on the West Coast, like Taco Bell, like PlayStation, and had the the chance to work on a lot of media-only accounts also that they had. And I think the the thing that was interesting about that was was that, you know, it was it was an opportunity to really focus on how, how we take cultural insights and, and turn them into moments of fame for the brand. And that, that kind of gets at one of the, the key things that I've had to, to learn or unlearn as, as, I've, as I've come to SoFi. And I've been at SoFi for, for three and a half years and, and it's been just you know an amazing opportunity for, for growth. But one of the key things that I really had to, to think about differently or reframe was the fact that agencies are so often hired to, to, to find fame. For a brand that's the explicit task that they're given help my brand become famous and do whatever it takes to get there whereas when you move over to a, a position of, of ownership or accountability for a brand you're much more focused on performance owning the equity that you create for the brand overall um making sure that the brand is put up, set up set up such that uh you know, you're protecting its reputation and truly building the value of it as an asset over, over the course of its history. Um, and so I think that one thing that that I've just felt an immense uh, amount of pressure on is, is is feeling much more accountable for the actions that we take as, as a brand and creatively as well, um, rather than just being focused on doing something creative for creative sake. Um, and the other thing that I think is really interesting is is where this, where all of this sort of co- starts to come together, is is at scale. How how do you think about doing this for a brand that's going that's worth billions of dollars and impacts millions of people, rather than just impacts the few people who are potentially going to see an activation that you do uh, at, at the creative agency? And also, you have to start to back into setting up. Processes. I mean, you think about the fact that Sofi is only ten years old. We are not a hundred-year-old brand like many of the brands that, that Lauren has had the pleasure of working on. Uh, and so, a lot of these fundamentals we've been ha- we've had to build from the ground up. We've obviously um, I've gotten the opportunity to learn so much from Lauren about the way that a lot of the, the amazing long-term brands that she's worked on have been set up. But we've been building a lot of those new processes together from the ground up for Sofi. And it's a blessing because we actually get to, to sort of get rid of all of the baggage that a lot of old brands have and, and also implement the, the newest technology. And so I think that uh, to Lauren's point, we've, we've found that doing rapid research and really putting our members first in that research process has been absolutely fundamental to building a strong brand with great opportunity to build equity that uh, resonates with our, with our target customer.
0: I love I love that. We're gonna, I want to talk about this particularly when we get into SoFi, but the, the commitment to experimentation. Um, and I think a lot of people probably in the audience are working for bigger, more established companies trying to find insights and nuggets to say, how do I do this in an established environment? Um, and so I think it's obviously an interesting an interesting thing and problem for you two to continue with as, you, as your business continues to have the success that you're having. So before we get into SoFi, let's stay on marketing for a few minutes. So you're both passionate about building brand. You work in a a high growth technology environment where growth and performance is critical. But also one of the tensions I think that exists in technology forward companies is the balance of product and brand marketing let let's talk about some of those principles and how you balance building fame and brand driving performance and also making sure that the offering is super clear to people uh, i think you do a wonderful job so there's there's obviously some some sauce that you've uh that you've put, you put into the soup that makes it so good
2: so it's really interesting like i i, I don't subscribe to the idea that there should be ongoing tension there. I hold my team to the brand work should always halo the product work and the product work better halo the brand. And when that system doesn't work is when you have tension. When it works, you get to the one plus one equals 10 wow, I love that brand, right? Because your products become proof points for your brand promise and your brand promise is, is hollow in the absence of those amazing product offerings, right? So yeah. I think yeah. that they, they, work to, they have to be working together as a system to really solidify yourself as a brand that people you know, know love and trust. And so we really try to, to operate like that, you know, at SoFi and build a really cohesive team between uh, our brand strategy group, which JM leads, and then our product marketing team. It's really a tightly connected group so that we can get to that overall, you know, really impact that we want to see by that system working together as effectively as possible.
3: Yeah. And I think the, the build I would have too, is that we we think about platforms, right? Like our brand is a platform that the product can take advantage of. And the product is also a platform that can take advantage of our brand and both need to hmm. be flexible such that you you can iterate as quickly as possible. And so we we've really been focused on, on being able to, to have sort of new ways in to, eat to, to, to the brand and to, to the products as, as platforms so that we can, we can iterate and pivot and, and, and learn and, and make great work.
0: You guys make it sound easy, but you're doing it so well. So, so let's talk about SoFi for a minute. I mean, we're talking about a business that is flying. But what struck me the most as, as Zappy was getting to know you, but, but particularly as I was getting to know the two of you, I, I mystery shopped you. Every single touch point I had with your brand was about me. So when you very casually, in an unscripted way, say we're all about helping our members get their money right, it shows everywhere. So you've clearly pulled off that the brand and the product work together. Um, so keeping the consumer at the at the center and experimentation are two key pillars in addition to some of the other mission points that you made. But, but talk to us a little bit about how you've been able to continue the sustained growth that you've had. And what are some of the areas that you attribute to the success that you're having in market?
2: I think a couple things Uh, you know we keep bringing up this point but the the member at the center really is the secret sauce it's it is the core to everything we do we truly take their input their feedback their preferences, their passion. It it is the cues and the information that we build everything upon. So I think first and foremost, I have to like really reiterate that that is the core of our success. I think the other two things as a company that I think we have done really well is when we decided we're gonna stand for helping people get their money right and helping them achieve financial independence, we decided that we sure as hell then better offer the full product suite we need to to deliver on that promise. You know, you, you can't say we're going to help people get their money right and then be like, but we think we'll be in this part of finance, but we're going to opt out of this part because you know what, you maybe don't make as much money on this part as a company or like, we didn't play that game. And there's actually a lot of people in finance that do play that game that are in on some out on the other. I think for us as a company, we really said like, if we're going to deliver on that promise, then we better offer the products we needed to actually fulfill that promise. And I think that that's a good lesson for any business that you're in. And so, you know, over the last two years, we've rapidly gone from being what was a primarily lending business to whatever stage of your financial journey, you know, you're saving, we have a vault for you. You need to take out, you know, not just a student loan, but you need to take out a personal loan for anything. IBF, remodeling your house, whatever it is, we're here for you. You want to invest for your future. uh, We got you covered. You want to, dabble in crypto, we got you covered. Like whatever it is on that financial journey, we're going to be there for you and make sure that we help you get your money right. And I think that was the only way that we're really able to deliver on our promise.
0: So it strikes me that your commitment to experimentation allows you to say, well, let's figure out how to how to play in crypto. Let's figure out how to do other parts of people's finance. So how do you balance kind of agility and development of the experience? With the, with the offer that you're putting out, because it obviously requires you to expand your capability really quickly, which I think a lot of companies are trying to figure out how to do better. Uh, you've, you've worked in environments where an innovation process would take three years.
2: We improve the flight path while we're flying. Obviously, you've built something for a consumer to start using it, right? But we definitely improve the flight path while the flight is in the air. Uh, and I think that that's how we're able to get into so many businesses and be successful in so many businesses quickly. I think the third the th- the third thing though that I definitely want to make sure we touch on that I think has really helped Sofi is just the great work that JM and our creative team have done to really uh, build the brand. As we've launched this, we've done a ton of work to to grow awareness and drive association with our "Get Your Money Right" promise. And a lot of that work, you know, Ryan, we've done in partnership with your team, we have been able to go to, you know, creating the highest scoring TV copy in the brand's history. We've improved our overall advertising effectiveness over 20 percent in the last two years since working with Zappy. And it's because of the rapid iteration that we're able to do. I'll give you like an example of how our day works. Like we'll have a brief and we'll have a couple of edits and JM will throw them into Zappy in the morning. And within three or four hours, we don't just have qualitative feedback. We have tons of quantitative feedback on all of the key metrics that we need to make sure we're delivering on favorability, uniqueness, consideration, right? We can walk away and say, okay, this is the changes we need to make. And by the end of the day, I have three new edits. it has allowed us to iterate to to really get to a place where all of our tv copy is now significantly above industry average and when you are trying to build a brand from the ground up that you know, most people, when the first time they see your commercial, it's the first time they've ever heard of your brand. Like, you got to nail it. And so we've been able to, to do that. And largely, you know, of course, thanks to JM and our internal creative creative team, but also in partnership with the Zappy team and the great tools that you have given us access to.
0: So here's the crazy part for the folks in the audience. SoFi Financial does not have an insights team yet. <laughs> So just, let's just process that for a minute, everybody. We've only talked about the consumer at the, at the center, rapid experimentation. And I love your phrase of changing the flight path while you're flying. I think that discomfort is something everybody in business needs to develop comfort for because there's no business that needs to move any slower than what you're articulating. I think we let our own, we're let our own BS get in the way. So let's talk about consumer centricity in a world where you don't yet have an insights team. And I bet there's some people who are in their chair right now at home being like, how could they do that? Or I'm uncomfortable or why would they do that, et cetera. So what, how, how do you go about, we've talked about copy testing, but how do you go about engaging with your members and and talk to us a little bit about the process, but also for both of you, some of the signals you rely on day to day to actually do your jobs effectively.
3: I think, I think it starts with the fact that we've tried to build really, really tight bonds with our members and, create as many opportunities to hear from them firsthand as possible. Uh, And that starts with going back into into the the company's history and the brand's history. We started just hosting events all around the country uh, where we were inviting our members to come out, starting with a cocktail party in San Francisco. We sent an email out to our our members in the Bay and said, anybody who wants to come, there's going to be free drinks tomorrow night at, at this spot in the marina. And 100 people came. And all of a sudden we started talking to them about our products and, and the products that we offered. From there, we realized we had this amazing opportunity to start to scale the relationships we had with our members. And We started hosting member events all across the country. That then got translated into a community that we built and we've built a, a, a Facebook members group for our members. It's exclusive to them. They have to be a member to, to, to join it. And it has over 55,000 members in it, 10,000 of which are active on a weekly basis. And they're all talking about the key topics around their finances that are relevant to them. And we just, we, I mean, we moderate that community and we observe that community and we prompt questions to them. And we've actually asked a few of them to join some even more sort of exclusive groups like our beta group, our ambassador group and our member advisory board. And so, we, I mean, I think this, this point about member centricity, we, like, we take it to the extreme. We have a group of members on an annual basis. It's about 12 members who provide us feedback and provide our entire executive team feedback on what the company is, how the company is performing. Um, But we've also taken that sort of to a more formal place. I say formal, it's formal for us and it might not be formal for others, but I think we've tried to empower everyone within the marketing team to become a source of insight generation. And that's in part due to just everyone being empowered to do research on their own uh, whether that's research within their craft. So you can imagine a creative person coming up with an idea and then we go and we, we put it into Zappi for testing and we get qualitative and quantitative feedback back. back. Or we go, our, mem- our, our media team also doing insights, using other tools to understand our, our, our target audiences, behaviors and preferences. But we're in the process of really trying to democratize insights so that anyone can be empowered to do research. But we just see that as part of this process of learning, iterating, and innovating, and also getting to the truth. What does the data say? And so we're, we're looking for more ways for anyone within the company to be able to do that research. And we, of course, have some, some other more formal ways that we're collecting that feedback. We do NPS, post-contact NPS, when we have an exp- a direct uh, relationship with our member or, or communication with our member, but we also are running an NPS study randomly sort of, you know, asking our, our members to provide us that feedback on their, their experience with SoFi. And so I think that that's sort of a scale. We have these qualitative ways that we do it. We also have these more quantitative methods that we're using to, to get feedback
0: from them. There is a buzzword in, in the consumer insights industry around democratization. So I think some of the insights we're hearing from you today are it, it obviously starts with the culture in the organization. It's clear that the consumer is at the center of the culture by the fact that they would even come to the marina. By the way, next time I'm out West, I'd love to have a drink with you two at the marina. We would love that. So you you folks have started with consumer centricity, but you're you're still, as Lauren said, you're still building the plane while you fly it. So talk to us about some of the steps you're going through to fully empower your product teams and the marketing team at large with tools – data sets, signals that allow them to do their jobs more autonomously? Because I think it's something that a lot of folks on the line are struggling with, particularly those in a, in a more traditional CMI or CMK role saying, what part of my Legos do I give away? What part of my Legos do I keep? How do I make sure they don't screw it up and make a bad decision? I mean, there's a lot of those emotions, fears, thoughts, I think, that happen. And, and JM, you very humbly have shared with me, you're not there yet. You're not where you want to be. So So share with us a little bit yeah. about that journey and some of the things you're working on.
3: Yeah, totally. So I mean, I, I, I will caveat, we are in this process, right? So it, it is definitely we're, we're in flight for sure. I think the way that we're thinking about it, though, is, is in terms of building playbooks for different functions within the organization to take advantage of. Uh, so I know that the, you know, the eight folks on the brand team who, who report to me are going to have a specific set of questions that they're asking. And so we're building a set of playbooks to help them work with our creative team more effectively and answer the questions that they need to ask. I also know though that our product marketing managers have a different set of questions they're asking. And so we're in the process of building a different set of playbooks for them to take advantage of to answer those questions. So this could be anything from claims testing uh, to to copy testing before they go and run uh, an ad or or even, or even earlier in the process, thinking about developing a value proposition for a product. But I also know that there are certain things that, that we also need to enable um, sort of deeper into the product. And that's really where we, we, we have a lot of unpaved road, enabling our product managers to be able to do research autonomously on, on their own as well. And, you know, they're asking a whole different set of questions. They're thinking about user experience. They're thinking, they're thinking about copy within the product and the messaging within the product. And so we need to sort of structure and build a different set of playbooks for them. But the goal would be that whatever whatever question you're asking, you are absolutely including a phase in the process of doing your work where you're going and getting feedback from real people on the question at hand.
2: I just just share one other thing, like for the leaders on the phone, you know, I think part of why, it, no system is perfect, okay, but I think part of what is allowing us as our organization to be successful in this direction is because it is more about the culture you set for the organization than it is about the org structure you set. And I think at SoFi, like I mentioned before, we have t- we have 11 values which is a lot for an organization but I have to say more than more than anywhere like we really eat breathe and live these values and two of the values I think are core to this are the two mentioned, learn, iterate, innovate, and get to the truth. And I think because we have focused on building a culture where we emphasize like everyone should be empowered to have the data, everyone should be empowered to come up with what the right insight is out of that. You don't have to be right. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's about, have you done the work to get to the truth? And are you rapidly experimenting to continue to get better at that? And I think just like breeding that culture has helped us get past any like uh, trip ups you might have on like what the right org structure is, if that makes sense. Like we want those to be values that everyone in the organization embraces. It's not to say that some people may not already be more trained or more capable on how to do that. So I want to be careful. Like I I don't want to diminish that skill set, because it is like a really important and highly valued skill set. It's not to diminish it. It's to actually say that it's a teaching opportunity and to allow our entire organization to get better by learning from you on what that looks like and helping the core tenets of insights people are always going to be getting to the truth and and uh, rapidly learning, like helping the entire organization adopt that mindset and culture, I think has been some of our secret sauce as well.
3: Yeah. And I think just to, just to build on that point, because I also saw this one comment that like people maybe seek out um, validation for, for a hypothesis that they already have. Like we, when we think about hiring for our teams, we think about hiring curious people who are open to whatever answer the data is going to present to them and taking advantage of that answer to, to, to move their projects forward. And I also, I also think that uh, as Lauren mentioned, like there are specialized skill sets. So it's not to say we don't have any people within SoFi's organization who have done what what we would call traditional consumer insights work in the past. Like those people do exist. They might be in different job functions, um, but we, 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 Still call on them for their expertise, or when we don't have that type of person within the organization, we call on an expert to help provide us with that guidance, uh, because it's still su- it is super valuable, and you need sometimes you need that expert help or someone who's who's done it before, seen it before.
0: I think the skill set's really important, but. There's a bigger job to be done, which is the truth that customer success is an organizational-wide job. It is not a job that sits in the market research department. And by the way, I'm somebody who's been in this industry my whole career, probably will be the rest of it. But it, it's about customer success being disseminated, and I think that's the thing that we need to come to grips with. So there's there's a few more questions I want to ask. You. There's always this this uh, this discussion about CMOS, and particularly in a world where data is everywhere, right? What's the CMOs stack? What signals do the CMO need? Talk to us a bit about, so we've talked a lot about how your organization is set up, but talk to us about the signals you rely on day-to-day to to do your job, to manage the board, to work with your CEO, to to lead your teams. What are some of the data signals, consumer, business performance, et cetera, that you sort of rely on to the extent you can share?
2: Yeah, certainly at SoFi, we have a set, but I think what may be more helpful, why don't I share a little bit about how I think about what matters in terms of are we doing a good job building our brand? Um, And so I think there's a, a couple of things. First is we place a lot of value on unaided awareness. And the reason why is it takes it a step further, not just from have they ever heard of you, but it's, are you top of mind? So, are you their first choice, their top choice, right? And that's really important when you think about going back to what I said before, which is being a brand people love, being indispensable in their lives, being their first choice, right? You really, as you think about brand building, want to get to a place where you're growing unaided awareness, and that is validation that you're most top of mind. And I think when you get to unaided awareness, those things are intrinsically linked also with business growth. As you become more top of mind, you are naturally going to get into more baskets or whatever your equivalent of a basket is in your industry, and that will drive business growth. So I think that really matters. Going back to another metric that I think we place a lot of value on at SoFi, and that's the NPS score and the net promoter score. Like after a customer interacts with your brand, will they recommend you? right? Will they say you were, it was a good experience? I think that's critically important. And we are absolutely accountable as an executive team for getting all of our products. I won't share what the number is, but to a pretty high NPS. And I got to tell you, it's grueling <laughs> day in and day out. We have a tracker. It comes out every day to everyone on the leadership team. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and there is a ton of diligence that goes on that. I'll tell you the other thing that we watch really carefully, and that is your OCO emails. There is no better way than to really understand the pain points of your customers than, and that's Office of the CEO. So we, if people have an issue, they will oftentimes write your office of the CEO. And that's an amazing way to also, you know, keep pulse on what's going on with the customer. And so those are, those are three, you know, three core metrics as you think about building a member centric brand a brand that people love that will also grow your business. Those are three things that I'd say helps us like really keep our pulse on how our consumers feeling about the brand we're building. Now, beyond all of that, we have all the normal business metrics that, of course, all of us have that you track, that we track, you know, daily, hourly, um, just like anybody else would new member growth, revenue um, we per unit economics. We look a lot at our per unit profitability. So that enables us to scale as a tech company. You want to be each unit you sell, want to be profitable on, and then you can get to scale. Um, so there, there are certainly a lot of other business metrics. But as I think about an insights audience here today and the things as brand builders, marketers, and insight leaders that that we look at to really help us understand are we delivering on our promise to our consumer and really delighting them? Those are certainly things that help us uh, make sure we're doing our job. Unaided awareness, NPS, and then just you know, staying really close to those OCO emails.
0: It's amazing. What, and what about you, Jay? And what, what, are, what are some of the things that maybe Lauren's using, but you might be adding on top of that to do your day-to-day to partner, to partner and help her?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely—it's uh, it's all of those those elements. I'm also keeping track of them, but I, I think I'm, I'm—I have the privilege to pot- potentially spend a bit more time in our community, uh, and it's a little bit of my my function within the organization too. Like, I, mm-hmm. our, my team manages all of our social media accounts, and so and, and our he, Facebook. Sam is
2: a superstar who not just leads our brand strategy, but leads our social and influencer strategy too. So he's got a huge, amazing scope.
0: I was going to say, thank you awesome, for pumping man. his tires because he's very humble. <laughs> go ahead. Now that we've embarrassed you, you can it's finish.
2: Superstar, well, superstar I, I appreciate that. For us.
3: But like, I mean, I, I wake up every day and I and I go in and check our Facebook member group and I see, I look at the questions that they're asking. I go in and check our Twitter account and I see what we're getting asked about. And so, you know, uh, there, there aren't necessarily specific metrics there. I'm, of course, checking volume and sentiment and all of those things on a on a weekly basis. But I, I, it, there is this, this feeling of being in the community as well that helps you just kind of get closer to the member and, and understand what, what they're thinking. And I do, I mean, I spend a lot of time in our awareness data and trying to understand, uh, trying to understand what's going on in our tracker and what, what, what it's telling us and pointing us towards. And there's a lot more that we do in our tracking beyond just awareness. We're looking at perceptions of the brand. We're looking at uh, advertising and recall and those are all elements that that we're, we're paying really close attention to, to understand the effectiveness of the work that we have in market.
2: Last thing I'll say about that, we spend a lot of time with our Zappy dashboard too. And, I, and I, I truly mean that. That Zappy dashboard, not only do we spend a lot of time, but uh, our creative director spends a lot of time. And that was something that was I would say in other roles I've been in, taboo. Like the creative director didn't always have any interest and in fact typically shunned away from getting into the data and understanding the performance and like really had art for the sake of art. And listen, folks, like art is great and you want to have work that makes people laugh, cry and smile, but you also need to make sure it drives your business. And I think that this decentralization idea has been so powerful because like, our creative director will come to the creative reviews with his zappy dashboard. And he'll start the review with, let me show you, I have achieved uh, you know, here's my TV copy and I am all green on all 14 metrics. And like we have really embraced that as a tool that helps us know we are being successful, that we are moving in the right direction, that we are doing work that delights our consumers and will move our business. And and it's been really powerful for us having a tool like Zappy that everybody, everyone can use to get to good business outcomes. Well, I, I find that really that,
0: inspiring. Oh, go ahead, Jam.
3: Yeah. Oh, I just, I think that that t- sort of ties back to the comment too earlier on, on the difference between the agency and the brand world and fame versus, versus performance. Performance doesn't just mean how much revenue is it driving? How many signups is it driving? But it means, is the work actually resonating with with our with our target audience. And that's totally what Zappi enables Jonathan RECD to, to do is, is understand what real people think. Because I hate to say it, but if you're just sitting in a room with three people, a creative director, an art director, and a copywriter making an ad and seeing if it's working, you're totally gonna be clouded by your, your own opinions and the blood, sweat and tears you put into the work and the edit just to get there. You need to get some outside perspective. and. I mean, I'll say it too, we've tested hundreds of hundreds of ads on Zappy, and we've had almost a hundred that didn't make a cut, right? Like, and that, that re- that's real money that we're putting against those, those ads, tens of millions of dollars. And we, we couldn't have just been steered by the judgment of, of just a few people in making the decision to run it or not.
2: Yeah. And we've been able to grow our investment in the brand through the confidence we have, through the data we get from Zappy. And and as a result, we've been able to really grow our business. So we are super grateful, Ryan, to you and the team for the, the tools that you provided us. It's made a huge difference in our success.
0: Thank you so much. This notion of agility or experimentation is about learning and getting to the truth. And it's why your creatives love the data because you're not telling them that their baby's ugly. You're actually helping them make things better. And I think that's such a great opportunity. Um, I'd be remiss to not shout out Mackenzie and Justin who actually do all the hard work to set SoFi up for success. So McKenzie and Justin, I just want to give you some love um, because you're doing a great job of setting up the SoFi team.
3: They're both superstars Uh, as well. I have to, yeah, I totally have to shout them out.
0: 100%. So I have a final question. Let's just say you find yourselves back in the walls of a company that doesn't have an office of the CEO email chain. Yeah. How would you go about this if you were in a climate that wasn't the climate that you're in, which is clearly, this, this is an organizational culture setup that is incredible and you're running with it. But give people a pointer or two of how you might tackle change in an environment that's not like this.
2: Yeah. Okay. I got a couple for you. First is... Never underestimate the power a single individual can have in an organization. It takes one person to drive change. And I promise you, if you're brave enough to speak up, you will probably find others who feel the exact same way you do, who sense you're right, like we need to be doing more here. So number one, like speak up, use your voice. If you feel that way in your heart, I promise, not only do others want to hear it, but you are going to be the person who is courageous enough to start that. So that's first. The second is you can never go wrong with aligning around principles. I really believe in being a principle-based leader. And so if it's an area that might have consternation or people being, you know, concerned, worried, whatever that is, like start with principles, put together a set of principles. Like, do we truly believe in putting the consumer first? Like, do we? Do we believe that actions must deliver on our values? Do we believe, like put put that set of principles together. And if you can get organizational alignment to a set of principles, then the action that you have to drive behind those principles becomes a lot less emotional right? When you start with the action, sometimes it can be super emotional, especially when it requires a lot of change. So those would be my two things, right? Like speak up, never underestimate the value you as an individual can have. And two, be principle-based, get alignment from your exec team on the principles. And then the action is so much easier to drive behind that.
3: I think the third, the the third element that I would add on, I, I wholeheartedly agree with both of those, Lauren, is just start with a little bit of data whatever data you've got but introduce it to the conversation and use and ground your principles and ground the recommendation that you have in some data and it will it will start to unlock the conversation and help help it help it roll out
2: totally spark leads to fire right create that spark get that spark going get a little bit of data that shows that there's validity behind that direction you want to run after and before you know it you're going to have a huge fire going
0: you too. I could sit here and talk to you both all day. I hear you're actually really busy scaling a business uh, and helping people get their money right. So I will let you off the hook. Um, I just want on behalf of this entire community, I just like to thank you both for, for your time. Um, you've brought the heat and dropped a ton of knowledge on us today. So seriously, thank you so much for your time. Thanks Thanks so much for having us. us.
2: Ryan and the entire Zappy team, like you are amazing partners. You have amazing tools. And the combination of those things has helped us achieve so much success. Lauren
0: and J.M., I'll see you soon. Thank you both. All right, Patricia, our audience has heard the beautiful story from Lauren and J.M., But they really are here for you to break it down for them. What'd you hear? What'd you see?
1: You know, these people, as you said before the talk, is they're absolutely ahead of their time. So, you know, in the same way we thought of a new name for the season, that it's perfect season, I'm not going to call these people marketers. I'm just going to call them strategists. They're incredibly smart business people. They are there. So let's eliminate the titles. Let's just listen to their content and forget whose title is. Because at the end of the day, I remember, and I'm going to give some kudos to an old boss called Javier Patino, who's probably not listening. Shout Javier. Out yet. And he told us all that from the person that stands in front of the door, like we had a receptionist, right, to the president, we were all there to quench the thirst of the Colombians. It's our only title so i love the fact that lauren and jam have that mentality i absolutely love it right so they're ahead of their time they're customer centric and that's what they're seeing they're seeing that the customer is their be-all and end-all and that's why they're seeing these incredible business results at sofi they're leading and building the brand partnerships with their creative teams and they're doing everything in-house hundred percent in-house. My God, so brilliant. So what I've done is I've broken this down to a baker's dozen because I decided not to have big chunks. I decided to have bite-sized chunks because I'm in my change management mindset. So let's get started. Number one, I could bet most of you know exactly what I'm about to say. Put the customer at the center of everything you do. Truly understand their needs. What I loved about SoFi is they call them members. What they say is members come first. Their wants, their needs, their desires, their pain points. That's what comes first for them. Number two, choose success metrics that put consumers at core. Which consumers, which metrics, their consumers obviously, but their metrics are net promoter score, I needed awareness and the CEO emails. And we'll talk about that in a second. They oh, the shout- CEO
0: email thing, by the way. Oh,
1: man. I mean, it's amazing that this is a company, the size of theirs, that their CEO gives out his email and opens up. Everything in response. Now I'm going to give a shout out to number two of this baker's dozen, to Bill Bean, because he led a very exciting chat during the conversation about if you're if you're if we're saying the consumers come first, the customers come first. What are the success metrics? Are they sales or are they something? And so he forced this issue, and it was great because they answered it during the call. So thank you, Bill Bean, for pushing that topic. Number three, build a unique brand that opens the minds and melts hearts oh my god melts hearts they want a brand that people love and they use these words heart and love and these are market. these that's why i can't call them marketers they're not using jargon they're using real words they're talking about being persuasive and compelling this sounds like a relationship and they actually treat it as such they're building an equity that resonates with the person but as they said make sure you know your target before you start talking to them in love words because you can't have the right Love words if you don't know somebody. So that's where number four is. Show up where your audience is. That one's so simple. No so simple, no
0: one does it well, except for Show that. up where
1: they are. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, let them know that you understand them by being present in the relevant moments in their lives. Shadow their journey and make it your portfolio. Choose their needs, cover their needs, their jobs to be done. Number five, value as a company, value learning, iterating, innovating, and moving fast. Their example to this is improve the flight plan while the plane is in the air. Oh my God! I just had visions of like, um, what do you think? Um, parachutes. I got nervous when they started talking about that. But the truth of the matter is, is that got to improve it while you're going. You can't just wait till you get there to change and turn around. Is commit and they committed to experimentation so much that they have an acronym because that's how you know things are real because it has an acronym, L I squared, Learn, Iterate, Innovate. Loved it. Number six, own the equity. They talk about that They agencies used to get hired to like make the brand famous, but that's not it. Making the brand famous is not the point. It's owning the equity, protecting the reputation, building the value of the equity as if it were an asset, just like as if it was toothpaste or a, a, sne- a sneaker. Right. Make sure that the equity is a thing in and of itself and be accountable for every action you take to build this brand. I remember going back to Javier, what did you do today Patricia to quench the thirst of Colombians? Did you do something for them? Because if you didn't, you wasted a day, which I thought was amazing, right? So we're going to number seven, ensure the brand always halos the product and the product always halos the brand. I gotta admit to you, it took me a couple of times to read and reread and listen and re-listen to this one to understand, but then they they summarized it for me. Products should be proof points for the brand products. There should, there's no space for anything on your portfolio that doesn't complete or contribute to the brand promise. Loved it coming down to the end number eight of this baker's dozen grow consumer awareness of your brand and drive association with that promise that means you're telling them what's in your black box make sure they know what your what your issues are make make sure that they know what your drive is what you want to do know what you want to say and who you want to say it to so you can be focused because if not you're going to talk to too many people saying too many things you're not going to do anything with it number nine Make everybody in the company responsible for insights. Same way that Javier made us all responsible for quenching thirst. Everybody's responsible for insight. Everybody has to know it. And he talked about hiring curious people. who are open to whatever the answer the data is going to present to them. Don't have an ego involved here. Just totally, totally be there and listen to the data. Don't have a bias going in. You can have a hypothesis going in, but you got to be ready to disprove that hypothesis, right? And create the opportunities for people to learn. Number 10. Do you remember what number one was? Number 10. consumer scale the relationship with the consumer. So we talked about consumers. We talked about loving the consumer. We talked about telling them we love them. We talked about measuring the love with the consumer. Now it's all about scaling this love with the consumer. Not only do we scale it to every breed in the company, but we're scaling it even further. We're creating communities. They're creating communities exclusive to our customers. That's what SoFi is doing, right? Giving Mm -hmm. them space to talk about what's important to them, not what's important to SoFi, but what's important to. SoFi's customers. And all the SoFi does is moderate, observe, and ask questions, right? And that's where they get betas, probably alphas too, ambassadors and advisors. That's where they get their ideas. That's where they solve their problems. That's where they ask for solutions. They're not telling them anything, they're listening. Number 11, just in case you were wondering, they believe in democratizing, iterative learning, and innovating. They talk about building playbooks for different functions within the organization so that everybody knows what they have to do and how to do it. And everybody's doing it in the same way. Number 12, I can't believe we got to number 12 before talking about culture. As if this company needed to talk about culture, but you asked them the specific question about culture and they answered. They talked about building a company culture that's recognizable to anybody on the inside or on the outside. Company culture, they've got like 11 values, but company culture shouldn't be a secret. It should be something that's, what what is it? Eat, breathe, and live the values? That's what they talk about. And then somebody in the chat asked, what happens if you don't have a company like that? And they're like, we hear you, homie. Number 13, that's why I had to make it a baker's dozen. If you are working in a company that doesn't have 11 values that everybody lives by, then create one. And they gave three easy steps to create that one. Number one, never underestimate the power of a person. It only takes one dude to drive change. Be that dude. Number two.
0: Dude, I love that.
1: (laughs) Number two, start with the shared company values. Whatever your company values are, start sharing those. Be be a principle-based leader. And number three, introduce data. That one was so amazing to me. Introduce data into your discussions. So every time you have a point, don't say, I think, I believe, I imagine. Just say, the data shows this. And everybody's going to say, we hope. Where'd you get that piece of data? And can I see that data? Can you share that data? Give me more of that data. And that way you're going to start grounding your recommendations and data, unlocking the conversation, bringing data, and eventually slowly, baby steps, things will change. And you're going to have formed yourself amazing culture. I'm out of breath from that baker's dozen, Ryan.
0: You, you, did, you did great with recapping a really uh, in-depth discussion. And I'm, I'm impressed with uh, your breath. But you've had a puppy next to you this whole time who was hellbent on distracting you and you kept your shit together, Patricia. That's why you're a boss. That's why I love you. For those of you who are listening, you'll never get to see this, but there's a dog just staring at her right now. Like, what on earth are you doing, lady? I want to go outside. Like, you t- now he's standing up over her shoulder. Um, hopefully Kelsey captures this for the blueprints of Inside Insights because it's been absolutely hysterical.
1: I'm but he's a grandma. really cute. I'm babysitting my, my grandchild. Because and what's great.
0: So uh, grandchild is an Australian shepherd for those of you trying to visualize what the F we're talking about. And he's, he or she.
1: Pascal is a boy.
0: Pascal is really, really cute. But Five he's and had half an, months. jokes aside, I thought, um, well, I, I obviously know Lauren and jam because they're big customers of Zappy, but the simplicity and profoundness of their words is just amazing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm not somebody who thinks, Insights people are being replaced. I just firmly believe Insights is the job of the whole company. And so, uh, yes, those of you who know a lot about segmentation and marketing science and algorithms and everything else, you're amazing and your superpowers are incredible. I challenge you to disseminate that learning to others because if it's in their fingertips when they're making decisions, they'll make better decisions for your customers. And that's what matters.
1: You know what's cool is that it's not our fault in Insights that we have the coolest job in the company. It's not our fault. It's not our fault. If everybody wants our job, that's fine. I'll share. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing my job because I love my job. I have the best job in the world.
0: Correct. But- that's it. That's exactly right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have two more episodes left of season two. Two weeks from now, we're going to be talking to Nick Graham, who's recently joined Mondelez to be their global head of insights. And we're going to be talking to Nick about how he's transitioned from running US Insights at Pepsi to running Global Insights at Mondelez and how he's approached the first 30 days or so of a, of a big new job. Um, I'd like to also officially tell you that Patricia and I, we're coming back for season 3 No we, We'll deal. Pascal's we'll,
1: coming back too. Pascal's coming back too.
0: Pascal's coming back too. Season three, it'll drop. We'll tell you when. If you have ideas, things you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview, things you want to learn, get at us. Inside Insights at zappystore.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn. You can subscribe to the podcast or you could just get in touch with Patricia and I the good old fashioned way. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Patricia, good to see you. Pascal, my dude, you're the best. Kelsey, behind the scenes, appreciate you.
1: Love you, Kelsey.